Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Hey, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Pastor David Baudouin. My wife Tara and I have the privilege of serving here at the Lafayette campus. I serve as the executive pastor, uh, helping uh, pastor our team, our staff, and uh, it's a pleasure to work with Pastor Chris. Uh, and um, and so. Thank you for being here this morning. Hey, so if you weren't here last weekend, we kicked off a new series called Your Kingdom Come. And uh, Pastor Chris did an amazing job at just talking about the kingdom. You know, if you want to find the king, right, or if you want to find the kingdom, you got to find the king. And so he did an amazing job, and you can go online and listen to that sermon. But today I want to continue uh, talking about, and this really isn't a series about the Lord's Prayer, it's really a series about discipleship, but I kind of want to stay on the Lord's Prayer theme and, um, and, and talk about that for a little bit. So we know if you were like me, raised as a Catholic, you pray the Our Father. As a Protestant, you may pray the Our Father. Um, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I want to focus on those next four words, thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, after we focus on the fatherhood of God, our Father, which art in heaven, and we declare his holiness, hallowed be thy name, and we anticipate his coming kingdom, then we submit ourselves to his will, thy will be done. And let me just say, that can be a scary prayer to pray. And many times we pray through the Our Father out of repetition or out of memorization, and yet we're praying some serious stuff. Because when you open the door and say, God, thy will be done, what we're saying is, you're in charge and I trust you with everything. We submit ourselves to his will before we pray for provision, give us this day our daily bread before we pray for forgiveness or pray for protection, all those things as the Lord's Prayer wraps up. But let me remind you, we don't get to the blessing until we submit to his will. Because what Jesus knows is this, is that when we truly accept him and we truly submit to his will, we will be better prepared for what comes our way even if we didn't expect it or even if we wouldn't have chosen it for ourselves. And how many of you know, none of us know what tomorrow holds. But it's when we surrender to his will and we submit ourselves to his lordship in our lives that we can say, not out of memorization, not out of repetition, but from the heart, Lord, thy will be done, and I trust you. We're talking in this series about being disciples of Christ. And you need to know not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is really a disciple. A disciple is one who submits to and lives by the teachings of Christ. And there are a whole lot of people who call themselves Christians and yet their lives are contrary to the word of God. It's when we follow Christ and we follow his teachings that we become his disciples. A disciple of Christ is one who can truly pray and surrender to thy will be done. 
Well, maybe you're here today and you go, wait, weren't there only 12 disciples? Are we trying to put ourselves on the same level as the disciples? Well, Jesus chose 12 men to be his disciples. But after the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, he reappeared to his disciples and we get to look at the last conversation he had with the disciples before he left again. It's what we call the Great Commission where he said there in Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples. Do with others what I've done with you. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Listen, they took Jesus at his word and they went and replicated what he had done with them and we're here today because they did not quit. We're here today because of their faithfulness to the command of God, to the great commission to go and make disciples. At our Savior's church, we know that God has called us to walk people through the process of discipleship, teaching them to obey all of the commands and all of the words of Christ. You heard Pastor Chris last weekend introduce the goal book. Pastor Scott Adams, our pastor over at our Savior's Midtown campus, uh, wrote this discipleship manual, and so many of you bought them last weekend, and we've got some more available this weekend. But it is our way of simply helping each of us understand that when we come to Christ, if we want to become a disciple, it requires something of us. It requires some knowledge, but then it requires some obedience and some following. Because we have to become disciples before we can make disciples, right? And my goal for us this morning is to evaluate ourselves before we replicate ourselves. Because let me just tell you, you need to be in the process of discipleship. You need to be walking, letting somebody walk, this, walk through this book with you, or you need to be walking through this book with someone else. But we need to evaluate ourselves before we try to replicate ourselves. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, listen, this is discipleship, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Can I just tell you, salvation is free. It costs you nothing. It costs you nothing to raise your hand and repeat a prayer and commit your heart to Christ. It costs you nothing to do that. Discipleship, following Jesus will cost you something. My fear is in the American church, we've presented the gospel in such a way that it sounds more like a sales pitch than a surrender. And when Jesus called his disciples, it was costly. It cost them something. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Okay, now let me just stop right here. I am not a fisherman. And I don't want to offend any fishermen in the crowd. Right? I, let me just say, I do want to say this. I'm not a catcher of fish, but I am an eater of fish, should the Lord lay something on your heart. But you know, I would think 
that there wasn't much schooling behind becoming a fisherman by trade. And so I think when we, we, when we read this next phrase that Jesus tells them what they're signing up for, I don't know that they even understood what it meant. But Jesus says, come and follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Maybe they thought, what kind of bait do you use for that? But here's their response in verse 20. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Can I just tell you? You don't have to understand everything to believe something. So many times people, people have the concept, I've got to understand it all before I commit my life. Listen, you will never understand all that God has for you. You will never understand all that there is to God, but you don't have to know everything in order to commit to something. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, and once again, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Think about this. The disciples didn't know where this journey would lead them, but by their response, they were up for the challenge. They had to know that this would change everything, that everything would be different. It was a call to leave things behind. It was a call to take up their cross. And it's the same call that Christ has for us today if we want to walk in discipleship. Listen, they were walking away from more than just their nets. They were walking away from comfort, what was familiar to them, their careers, their families, their possessions, their positions. They were trading certainty for uncertainty. They didn't know where they were going. Listen to this. The only thing they knew is who they were going with, and that was enough for them. And the question is, is Jesus enough for us? If Jesus says, come and follow, and you don't know where he's taking you, is he enough? Mark chapter 10, verse 28 then Peter spoke up and said, we have left everything to follow you. In a world that says, protect yourself, take care of yourself, promote yourself, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus didn't come to make our lives better. He came to make our lives radically different. Can I just tell you, he didn't go to the cross to make me a better version of me. He didn't give his life so that in order to make me more comfortable with who I am. He went to the cross so that when we follow him, we would become radically different. I want to introduce you to two words. You know both of these words. But I just want you to, I want you to think through these words with me. The first one is consumer. You know what it is to be a consumer. You go to Costco, you buy stuff, you're a consumer, right? Consumerism has an element of selfishness to it. When you go buy a car, it's 100% selfish. Be, don't quit looking like you're holy. You know what I'm talking When I go buy a car, I want it to be the right color. I want it to smell the right way. I want it to drive the right way. I want it to make me look good. 
right? That's what consumerism, consumerism is. It's us purchasing something that we want or that we need. The second one is disciple. And it is not selfish in nature. It is not selfish in nature. It is giving up of ourselves in order to take on something bigger than ourselves. In order to take on someone who is bigger than ourselves. And don't get me wrong, there are huge advantages and benefits to being a Christian. But eventually being a Christian is going to cost you something. Listen, at this point, maybe Christianity has just served you and, and maybe served you well. You remember when you were, you, if you, maybe some of you are new believers, some of you have been believers for a long time. When you first became a believer, it was like everything was awesome. Like, I got saved on Sunday, I got a promotion on Monday. Thank you, Jesus. I got saved on Sunday, Tuesday, I got the best parking spot at the mall. This is God. And now you've been saved for about five years and you're like, where's God? <laughs> I'm parking in Egypt. <laughs> at some point, you're going to come to a place where not everything will go right and then you'll have a decision to make. And how you respond in that moment might determine whether you're a consumer or a true follower of Christ or a disciple. See, a consumer is a person who buys into faith for its benefits. And that's okay. Think about Pastor Jacob. If you know his story, when he was a teenager, they were having a Christian rally at his high school. The only reason he went to the rally was because his neighbor, the girl that lived across the street from him said, if you come to the, ra to the rally, I'll kiss you afterwards. What kind of believer was she? She needs disciples. She needs surrender. But he went that night and got for a benefit as a consumer and got much more than a, a, a kiss, right? He got his life changed by the Savior. And listen, there are benefits to being a believer. David said it in Psalms 103 where he said, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Maybe for you, you're a believer and it's made your marriage better. Or you found some really good principles in Scripture for raising your kids. Lord knows we need principles for raising our kids. Or growing your business. Maybe you feel like you're a better person because you gave your heart to Christ. And that's okay. Jesus actually drew people by giving them benefits. You remember in John chapter 6, before he ever preached to them, what did he do? He fed them. He fed them with the loaves and the fish. He almost sank Peter's boat with so much fish in order to get his attention. And all of this is okay. But at some point in time, you're going to have to go from consumer to disciple. That point where you say, Jesus did something for me, and now I want to do something for him. At the point of salvation, he was my savior. That looks like that's a consumer. There's a benefit. But now I have grown in my faith, and now he is not just my Savior. He's my Lord. That's discipleship. See, when Jesus says, follow me, he's asking for everything from us. Can I just tell you, I'm glad you're here today, but Christianity isn't just 
church attendance or some casual acquaintance. Many times we see Jesus as if he's waiting for us to accept him as if he needs our acceptance. Can I just remind every one of us today, he doesn't need us, we need him, right? Jesus is worthy of total abandonment and he's worthy of our highest worship. When a person claims to have met Jesus, but nothing in their life changes, it is clear that they have not met the Jesus we read about in Scripture because when you read through the Gospels, you see people coming in contact and meeting Jesus and everything changes. So when somebody says, I'm a Christian, I met Christ, but nothing has changed, you gotta ask some questions. They may have prayed a prayer and they may have filled out a card, but if it wasn't in their heart and nothing changed, then all they did was repeat a prayer and fill out a card. And can I just tell you, we pray a prayer of salvation at the end of our services because many times you're sitting in a service like this and the Holy Spirit is really working on you and you wanna make a commitment to Christ and we just wanna help you to articulate what's in your heart. That's why we pray the prayer. And we ask you to fill out the card at times because we want to communicate with you and share some things about your next step. But there is nothing magical about that prayer. And just praying a prayer doesn't make you a disciple. It's why Jesus, our scripture says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then things will change. And there are a whole lot of people who respond with their mouth, but there's never a change in their heart. I want to walk you through two stories. Can I do that? Can I take a few minutes? It's not on the screen. I did that on purpose. Um, I just want to walk you through a couple of scriptures to show you the difference of how people respond to Jesus. Let me also say just real quick, I, I don't know what happened in the last couple of days. The Bible that I used, the font got smaller somehow. It's not age. It just got smaller. So I stole this Bible out of the lost and found. So if it looks familiar, familiar to you, come and see me. You're probably older than me because the font's really big. <laughs> so it's, it's Luke 18. It's what we call the story of the rich young ruler. It says, a certain ruler asked him, Jesus, good teacher. Let me just stop here. Jesus is a good teacher, but above all, he's Savior and Lord. So by him coming and just calling Jesus a good teacher, we know that there's a disconnect there, right? A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. I just want to make sure my kids were listening. In case the Holy Spirit wanted to do something there. 
And the rich young ruler responds and says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He was a rule follower. He prided himself on being a follower of the law. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. Jesus required something from him. And can I just tell you, he required something from him that he knew was more important to that man than a relationship with Jesus. And there are times when there are things in our life that we want Jesus, but I'm not giving this up. We want Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not tithing. 10%, are you crazy? And Jesus puts his finger on that and says, go do this first and then come and follow me. And the Bible says when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He went away sad because he was very wealthy. Very next chapter, we see the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. If you grew up in Sunday school like me, you remember the song, right? While I'm reading this, you're going to be reading the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. That's why they don't let me sing in worship. So, (laughs) Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He too was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, let me just remind you that he was a tax collector. That means he was a thief. One man spent his life keeping the law. The other man spent his life breaking the law. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus is willing to hang out with us sinners, right? That he sees value in us. So he came down at once, oh, I just read that. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You have two different men Both sought out Jesus. Both were rich. They both wanted eternal life. One lived to follow the law. One lived to break the law. One was stingy. The other one was willing to give back what he owed plus much more. One came as a consumer and left as a consumer. One came as a consumer and left as a disciple. Listen, God's not called us to, God may not have called you to abandon everything, but he has called you to be willing to abandon everything for the cause of Christ because it all comes down to the state of our heart. Thy will be done. Lord, thy will be done. I trust you, whatever you call me to. 
We're called to hold loosely to our stuff and to cling tightly to Christ and his kingdom. And all of this may seem crazy until you realize who is calling us to follow him. Jesus, the savior of the world, is initiating a relationship with us. Jesus chooses his followers. You ever think back over your life and think about some of the people you chose in the the past, right? Maybe a a, a past business uh, partner, maybe a past girlfriend or boyfriend, and you look back now and going, was I drunk? What was I thinking? Like, she wasn't even cute. He was overweight. Not that there's really anything wrong with that. (laughs) Judge not, lest you be judged, right? So, but Jesus... The Bible says from the foundations of the earth, he chose you. He chose you, he chose me, and he chooses well because the Bible says that the will of God is that none would perish. God's heart for us is that we would not only serve him here, but but spend eternity with him there. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. Can I just tell you, consumers don't bear fruit for the kingdom, but disciples do. The disciples are a picture of God's grace, that God chose them and God chose us. So you may not know this, but I have a counseling center. I've spent the last 20 years counseling people. Um, I did so for 16 years uh, on staff at Crossroads Church, and then I left to offer affordable counseling. I saw a need for that here in Lafayette, and so I have a counseling center uh, here in town. And what I know is this, that people only get, get something from counseling to the point they're, really, they're willing to surrender to counseling, right? Some people come in and they're like, just tell me what I need to do. I just want to get fixed. Okay, we can work with that. Some people come in with their arms folded and they're mad that they have to be there. That's pretty much all the men that come into my office, right? One time Tara said, we need to go see a marriage counselor. I said, girl, I'm the only counselor you need, right? She didn't buy, she hadn't paid for counseling yet. But I know this, the difference of the people who come in my office and any counselor will tell you, Jody, any other counselor will tell you Whether or not they leave changed has very little to do with the counselor and a whole lot to do with the willingness to surrender and to listen and to follow. And so it is with us as believers. Think about it. We serve a risen Savior. We serve the creator of the world. The issue, if it's not working out, is not with him, it's with us. His mission has always been to use weak vessels to carry his life-changing message. Throughout history, there have been people who have been content to hear from Jesus and even agree with Jesus, but not truly follow Jesus. And I just want to remind us all today, Jesus doesn't just want to be a part of our lives. He wants to be what we live for. The question is, do we trust him enough? To pray, thy will be done regardless of what comes. Tara and I have some friends who are from here, but they live in Mobile, Alabama. And yesterday we attended the memorial service of their little boy. 
They're, they have two children, and last week they had a little baby boy who was born completely healthy. And 33 hours into his life, his daddy was holding him in his arms, singing to him, and that little boy took a gasp and never breathed again. And yesterday was the memorial. And I got to be honest, I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know where they were in the journey. I didn't know how they were responding to But we sat through that memorial service and they read a letter from that young mom and dad and, and everything pointed to Jesus. And in their letter, they talked about how God knows what we don't know. That we don't know why, but we know we can trust him. And I sat there just wondering, would that have been my response? And none of us know our response until we're faced with something we never thought we would go through. But can I tell you, our response then is determined by our heart now. Our response then is really determined by the choices we make today, whether or not we're going to be a consumer or a disciple in moments like that that our hearts are exposed so why doesn't everybody follow Jesus why doesn't everybody follow Jesus my first ministry position I was 21 years old I I took a youth pastor position in Kinder Louisiana up around Lake Charles I was single I was single till I was 36. I know it's hard to believe. But finally, God opened some woman's eyes. And man, he was good to her. So anyway, so just moving on. I was 21 years old. I was a youth pastor uh, in Kinder, Louisiana at a small church, probably 300 people. And back then, they would do this thing called dinner on the grounds. Some of you may remember that. They would do this thing called dinner on the grounds and... Um, and, uh, and so what you would do, it wasn't like a potluck. No, you would prepare a meal for your family. And then after church, all the men would set up tables and chairs and, um, and then you'd eat with your family, but you'd be at tables with other people. And it was just an opportunity to get to know other people. My friend Lisa, uh, Clement was there at that church with me at the same time. And so, um, I was single, and so I got to church one day, and I realized once I got there that it was a dinner on the grounds day, and I had brought nothing. So after church, when all the men were setting up, I snuck out, and I went to my apartment to uh, get something to bring to dinner on the grounds. But I'm single. I opened the refrigerator. There's nothing. But I I had two pieces of bologna. Bologna is not of Jesus. I mean, let's be honest. There is no animal called bologna that we look... Anyway, so I grabbed the two pieces of bologna and then I grabbed the bag of bread and when I look at it, I realize I only had the two ends of the bread. There's a reason they were still in the bag because I don't eat the ends of bread. If you invite me to your house and you feed me the ends, it means you don't love me. I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the reasons you want to make sure you go to heaven is because in hell, all they eat is the ends of the bread. They have like a contract with waste management where they started and send it. I I don't know how it works. I just know. 
And so I put together this sandwich, some bologna, some two pieces of bread, ends of the bread. And I went back, I wrapped it up in an old crinkly brown paper bag. And I, I went back and when I got there, there was a family I was close to, the Millers, and, and there was a chair at their table. So I sat down with the Millers and I kind of took my sandwich bag and put it over to the side. And, and Miss Ludie Miller pulls out this container of homemade fried chicken. Exactly. That was Jesus. She pulls out this, and then she pulls out this container of homegrown tomato and cucumber salad. And with everything she pulls out, I look at hers and I look at mine. And she just keeps homemade rolls. And and then she goes, and I've got homemade chocolate pie for dessert. I'm like, girl, God has sent you to me. And then she didn't, she had all this stuff, but she didn't say, Pastor David, you just eat with us. So I pulled out my bologna sandwich. And when she saw my bologna sandwich, she said this. She said, hey, Pastor David, let's just put it all together. And we'll have some of what you have, and you'll have some of what I have, we have. And I'm like, have you seen what I have? And she said, no, no, seriously, we'll just put it all together. Let's just put it all together. I'm not a genius, but I know a bargain when I see it. And that day I ate homemade fried chicken and tomato and cucumber salad and, and Lord knows I ate, choc- I ate chocolate pie. And it was awesome. But when I was done eating, I looked over and realized we never really put it all together because nobody ate any of my sandwich. But what if I had said, when she said, let's put it all together, what if I had said, Oh, no, because I know what you're doing. You want my sandwich. You're trying to get my sandwich. How foolish of that would that have been, right? I think sometimes people don't follow Christ because they think God's trying to get their sandwich when the truth is all he wants you to have is his fried chicken. And people, I mean, God calls us to a life of surrender and God calls us to a life of giving up of ourselves, but we think it's because he's trying to take what we have when all the time he's trying to give us what he has because it's always better and it's always to our benefit. But people run around. They don't want to tithe because they're like, God's not getting my 10%. Don't be foolish. God's not getting my marriage. God's not getting my, I know God's trying to take from, no, God's trying to give to you. It just requires something of you first. So maybe you're here today and you've been a believer for quite some time, but you still may need to ask yourself, am I a consumer or am I a disciple? Am I in this just for what I can get out of it or am I in this to give something to it? Maybe you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Christ. You've never just kind of given the steering wheel of your life over to Jesus. Can I just tell you, scripture says that today is the day of salvation and there's no better day to make that decision than today. Would you bow your heads, every one of you in this room? bow your heads and close your eyes and I just want to speak to those of you who may be here today 
and you've never made a commitment to Christ. You've never come to that place where you've simply surrendered to Him. Maybe you're here today and things in your life are a mess and you need a Savior. You need somebody to step in and, and do what you can't do. Listen, today's a great day to simply say, Jesus, I've done all I can. Would you take over? Romans chapter 10 said that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is who he said he is, and we confess with our mouth that we will be saved. Listen, religion makes it very difficult to get to Jesus. Religion says you gotta jump through some hoops to get there. Romans 10, 13 is the heart of God where it simply says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I just tell you, I don't know your story, I don't know your background, but I do know my Savior. And if you've never made a commitment to, to him, I believe today's your day. So what I want to do is I want to pray a prayer with you. But before I do, if you've never made this commitment, I simply want you to just raise your hand and put it right back down if you want me to include you in that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? I want to pray a prayer today. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me and I want every person in this auditorium to repeat in support of these that lifted their hands to simply articulate what's in our heart that we need a savior. Can we pray? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God today?